But if we are reading this wrong, and if we read this as a woman reads this, in the context of marriage, it will change our love life. Completely change it. I am excited to announce to you a collaboration with my friends at Mountain Tough Fitness Lab to bring you a brand new series on the app called The Spiritually Strong and Morally Tough Man. This is an 11 consecutive day series working through my book, Strong Men, Dangerous Times, where we identify five essentials of manhood. You can find this new series on the app under Mental Spiritual Toughness, and I'm excited to announce to you that it is live now. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Interesting how, how we, can come, we can approach something from our, uh, our, our own narrative, our background, you know, our age, uh, our, our, our ethnicity, our uh, political background, uh, where, you know, where we, you know, if we were a city guy or a, a suburban guy or a rural guy, we just approach things different, right? It reminds me of that story. This story dates back to 500 BC. You got these three blind men. Have you heard the story of the three blind men and the elephant? Three blind men approach an elephant, and their, their task is to grab the elephant and feel the elephant and describe the elephant. One blind man walks up and he grabs a hold of the tusk. And he's kind of feeling it, and he goes, man, this elephant is, is hard, and it's, it's smooth, and it's pointy. It's, it's like this pointy, smooth animal, like with a, with a hard shield over it. Well, the other guy, another guy goes, and he grabs a tail. And he said, well, this elephant is, is really thin, and it's, it's, got, it's kind of got bristly, and it's, it's, got bush, it's bushy. It, it almost feels like a toilet bowl brush. Right, and then the, the the third blind guy gets up there and he, he grabs a hold of the ear and he says, "Well, this this animal is 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 kind of is kind of loose and soft and flat and and it rubbery feeling." Right. Well, these three blind men, according to the 500 BC tradition, argue about this and actually get in a fight in the story. But it, their actual perspective was different based on where they came and approached this elephant from. And I think as men, when I look at this passage tonight, for 35 years that I've been serving Jesus and living for the Lord, I've approached it from a male perspective. And I, I would guess that most of you have, because if you're a dude in this room, you are probably aware of this verse I'm going to read tonight. The problem is if we come at it from our perspective, we're going to see it completely differently. So tonight I want to approach this topic from a completely different perspective. I want to approach it from a woman's perspective. Because if we are reading this wrong, and I'm not saying we are, but if we are reading this wrong, and if we read this as a woman reads this, in the context of marriage, it will change our love life. Completely change it. And even if you don't think that... The, uh, my interpretation is accurate, it'll still change your marriage because there's some biblical principles around sex that we have not talked about. In her book, The Great Sex Rescue, Sheila Gregory said this, what we'd like to submit now, are you ready? What we'd like to submit now is that the spouse most likely to be deprived is not the husband, but the wife. If the deprivation is about not receiving sexual release, a.k.a. orgasm, 
then many more women are struggling than men. Wow, thanks, Sheila. Our walk-up song should have been, Oh, Sheila, instead of Pat Benatar's Treat Me Right. You know what I mean? And so we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 through 6 tonight. We're going to really focus in on just two sections of that passage. I want to give a little review. Remember, who has, according to U.S. News, who has the best sex? Christian, monogamous couples who attend church regularly. It doesn't matter what church. Christian monogamous couples. So I had an experience several years ago. I had a, a buddy I grew up with, and I went to high school with who was a really close friend of mine who, who was a party guy. He's still a party guy. He doesn't have a driver's license because he's such a party guy. I mean, six foot two, blonde haired, Newport Beach guy, good looking young man, good looking man. Single all his life, no kids. And he was bragging to me saying, hey, I've had sex with over 200 women thought I was going to impress me. And I said, well, bro, I've had sex with one woman 2,000 times. And he stopped. He goes, you win. Because here's the deal, guys. To learn one woman's body takes a lifetime. Plus, that woman changes based on her age. If I'm wrong here, somebody call me out. That woman changes based on her age, her menstrual cycle, Emotional connection to you, her body weight, her body image, pre, post, or perimenopause, whether or not she's pregnant, and in what month she's pregnant in. When men brag about being with lots of women, all that tells me is that they have a character flaw, a spiritual flaw, and forgive the pun, they're operating under a one-size-fits-all mentality. You know what I'm saying? And to me, your number is not what's important. The most important number is this. One woman, one man, one lifetime, one covenant. So here we are in verse seven of, I'm sorry, verse one of chapter seven, 1 Corinthians. Paul writes, Paul was single. Uh, a lot of theologian, uh, a lot of theologians argue Paul was once married and his wife passed away. So a lot of theologians will argue that Paul was a widow. Okay, I don't know one way or the other. I don't see that in scripture. But let's say he, but that's okay. Maybe he was, we don't know. He did say he lost all things, and a lot of people think that meant his family. So I don't know, but whatever. But Paul writes this. Now concerning the things about which you wrote, now <laughs> remember who he's writing to. Okay. Concerning the things about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to touch a woman, but because of immoralities, each man is to have his own wife, and each woman is to have her own husband. The husband, here it goes, guys, must fulfill his duty to his wife, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, also the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Now, this is really an interesting verse. I want you to unpack this in your mind. Paul continued. He said, stop depriving one another except by agreement for time that you may... Uh, Devote yourselves to prayer and come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now, isn't this interesting? It's interesting because the city of Corinth was a Greek city living under Roman law. So it was a Greco-Roman city. Are you catching me? It was built on a peninsula that linked Asia to Italy. It was a city, it was one of the most thriving cities in, in, in antiquity of 400,000 people. 
They worshipped the god Aphrodite. You might have heard of this god. They had a temple on their hill. It was the most glorious building in all of Corinth. And it had 1,000 temple priestesses who were hookers. And the men would regularly go to worship at the temple. Right? So these guys were having a lot of sex. Greco-Roman, the Greco-Roman culture had zero moral code. Christianity, besides bringing Jesus and salvation and elevating women, brought chastity for the first time in world history. So that's what Christianity brought, this one world, one woman, one man, covenant of marriage. We, we brought that to the world. That's our gift to the world. And even though America is disintegrating every year, we still operate basically under this moral code of marriage is one man and one woman, right? We still kind of go, oh man, sorry about your divorce. We still say, oh man, you need to stop being a player, man. You need to focus, have one woman, you know, don't cheat on your wife. We still say these things because we are in a Christian, uh, we have a Christian worldview. They did not have that back then. They could care less. So their sexual life ran rampant. But don't you think it's funny? This cracks me up. Paul's telling them, stop depriving each other. So the people in Corinth who had the most opportune, uh, uh, opportune rich environment for sexual excursions outside of marriage, I'm talking the men only. The women weren't allowed to do that. The men only. These guys weren't coming home and making love their wives. So it plays into the fact that you can have all the sex you want. That doesn't make it mean you're going to be a great lover to that one woman that God has called you to. Because the Corinth church, those guys had all the sex they wanted, and their wives are going, hey, I, I'm not getting any here. And Paul's saying, hey, stop depriving each other. Because you know what? If the men weren't getting anything, do you think they'd be telling Paul? No, guys don't talk about that. It was the women. So we're talking to a church where the people within the church were under-sexualized in a culture that was over-sexualized. And it plays into my theory that Christian people who are committed to each other, who attend church regularly, have the best sex. In the New Living Translation, now you may be saying, well, deprive each other doesn't mean sex. Okay, well, I disagree. But let's look at the New Living Translation. It says this, The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. So it does in the New Living, it really brings out, hey, this is a sex thing we're talking about. When we talk about depriving each other, we're talking mainly, but not completely, sex. So this con in this context, we look at this, we go, okay, so what is going on here? We have, we have these people that are depriving each other sexually in a highly sexualized world. And so from my perspective, when I read this as a 22-year-old well, single man, I'm like, I'm going to get married and have a woman and it is sex on demand. I mean, I just thought, man, the, I mean, I just thought, man, when I get married, I mean, I've waited three years. I haven't, I mean, I haven't, I've, I've dropped all my relationships. I've waited three years to marry this beautiful woman. It is get on like Donkey Kong. And I remember my wife going, oh, it ain't, that doesn't work that way, buddy. You know, the house is a mess. You've been mean to me. Oh, no. Uh-uh. Sorry, boy. Figure so I realized early on, there's something else going on here than her taking care of my needs on demand, right? So as we look at this perspective, let's look at it from a woman's perspective tonight, okay? And let's act accordingly. So let's start, let's start our time tonight with the theme verse of this series, the golden rule, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. Jesus said, again, we're going to apply all of this to sex tonight. And I think we can make this jump because when we, when we look at this verse, we're actually, we, we need to really look at it you know, across a kind of a meta viewpoint of everything, right? Just panoramic. Here we go. 
in everything, that's including sex, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. So when a man enters a sexual relationship with his wife, he is expecting certain things, right? Am I right? Or are you just, you know, I mean, are you just hoping to walk away with a handshake? I mean, you know what I'm saying? So if that's how we're entering this thing, 95% of men during sex have an orgasm. That's a lot. That's like almost batting a thousand, guys. So here's my group question. Based on Matthew 7, 12, and I'm only asking the married guys right now, okay? Married guys, based on Matthew 7, 12, what does your wife need from you within the sheets besides sex? What else does she need from you in the lovemaking? What does she need from you? We have a group of celibate guys, right? She, needs, she wants intimacy, right? Okay, who can help us understand what is intimacy? Beyond the set, what is intimacy? Yes, you. Oh, foreplay. Oh, foreplay. Okay, foreplay for her. Well, statistically, you're right, because women who experience more orgasms have foreplay first because they are crockpots. We are microwaves. What else? What, what are some other things? Any more on intimacy or what else does she need? She needs security. She needs to feel like you're the only one right? She needs to feel like she's safe in your arms. Like, and, the, and sometimes you may be with a, today she may feel safe and tomorrow she may not feel safe. And that, that may mean something, right? What else does she need? She needs an emotional connection. I know we're so hard at that, but they need that, right? She needs the intimacy. She needs the safety, the security. She needs the emotional connection. What else does she need? Anything else? She, yeah, she needs to relax in a couple areas, right? Like, just relax, okay? And she needs to feel relaxed, right? She does, needs to feel like the kids aren't in the next room screaming, beating the door down while you've got the doors locked and mommy and dad are having a nap, right? So, no, she needs to be relaxed. What else? Anything else? There's a lot of things, right? Okay, all right. Well, so I just want, I want us to understand, we talk about... When we talk about this golden rule, it's beyond sex, right, for our wives. She needs certain things. We need certain things. We, don't, we need to be told we're awesome, right? We need to be told we're, you know, we're, we need, I won't even get into what we need to be told, right? Okay, we need to be told certain things. She needs to know she's important. Like, she needs to know she's important during. She needs to know she's important after. She needs to know she's important before. She needs to know that you want, listen to this, guys, her and not it. If it, You young single guys, you guys that are struggling in your marriage, struck sex life, she needs to know you want her and not it. Sheila Gregory says this in her book. She said they surveyed 20,000 women. That is a massive survey. She called it the Bear Marriage Project. She asked about their sex lives, their marriages, their beliefs about sex and marriage, and their upbringing. And on her survey, they said that 48% of women in this study of, of 20,000, now realize these are 20,000 Christian women who statistically have better sex, only 48% experience regular orgasm. I think that number's high. I think it's probably around 20, but 48%. Where men, it's 95%. 
So let's look at sex from another angle. Let's look at it from Philippians chapter three, 2, verse 3. Let's look at it from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 28 and 29. As you know, in the Bible, there are three sections called household codes. Colossians, chap, Colossians chapter 3 and 4. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. And then Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 to 33 are probably the most extensive uh, a dialogue on the household code. So if we look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 29, we read this. And you guys can turn there, either Philippians 2.3 or Ephesians 5.28 and 29. In Ephesians we read, So husbands ought to also love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. In the Philippians 2, 2, chapter, chapter 2, verse 3, if we apply this to sex, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as better than yourself. So here's what I propose. If we take the golden rule, we break it down one step further. She needs you in your bedroom life to serve her. Her first. Her first. Sheila Gregory writes this, For sex to feel intimate, she, it needs to be about saying, I want you, not just I want sex. It needs to be about saying, I see you, I choose you, I want to experience something with you and only you. I want to know you better in this key word. You are the focus. Uh, sex is not about me. It's about me knowing you and building us. Isn't that cool? Really cool stuff. So last week I brought sex tools. Tonight I'm bringing sex toys. And I used to do a lot of premarital counseling. I still do. And I would bring in sex toys. And this is what I'd bring in. For the women, I would bring in my wife's cheerleader megaphone. And I said, this is what a man needs sexually from you. He needs you to cheer him on. But here, here are the tools, here are the sex toys that a man brings into the relationship. And I, these are from my house. I washed them. <laughs> Speaking of washing, these are cleaning toys, boys. When I walk into the sex bedroom, it's about me serving her. It's about what can I do to serve you most of the time. Not all of the time, right? You guys know reality. But when we talk about sex for men, it's about serving her. It's about putting her needs first. It's about saying, hey, it's about you first, us first. That's a big deal. Lastly, we'll deal with our verse for tonight, and I just want to hit on it briefly, and we'll get into our small groups. This is the climax of the sermon. Okay. Chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. The husband must fulfill his duty to his wife, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise also, the husband does not have authority of his own body, the wife does. Stop depriving each other. What if, from a woman's perspective, that has nothing to do with sex and everything to do with orgasm? How are you doing? How are you doing? Are you taking care of your wife? 
The most important two questions a husband can ask his wife in bed is this. What does my wife need, and how can I meet that need? Sheila Gregory says this. No man should be satisfied unless his wife is also regularly satisfied. That doesn't mean a wife has to reach orgasm every time, but the expectation should be that she does everything, he does everything in his power to help her get there. And so I thought that was really interesting. If I go back on 35 years of my marriage and I told my wife I would not talk about her sex life, and I will not, but I have very little to go on except for 32 years with one woman, I would say this. And talking to men, you know, we men typically, but not always, generally speaking, men have a bigger sex drive than their wives, generally speaking. When you're raising children and she's breastfeeding or whatever, it just changes the whole game. So there are a lot of times when she is so focused on you know, using her body to raise children and to have children that to give herself to you is a sacrifice. And so I realize in marriage there are times when you're... And then also, guys, you know, you know this. Women are crockpots. So for Amanda orgasm, he just needs to think of white clouds or something. But for a woman to orgasm, it's a whole other deal. She needs a security. She needs intimacy. She needs connection. She needs, she needs emotional connection. She needs so much more, it takes her longer. She needs to feel relaxed. It takes her longer, right? So there are times when a woman, a Christian woman especially, will say, you know, man, I mean, there's a lot going on right now, but because I love you, I will sacrifice and give myself to you. So I realize there are those times. But when, when she's relaxed, when she feels emotionally secure, when she feels safe, when she feels connected intimately, when she's ready for you, you need to serve her. You're welcome, single guys. You're welcome. I'm helping you. I'm saving 20 years off your life here right now. Okay. So you want better sex? You want more frequent sex? Serve your wife. So this is another Gregory quote. She said, Women in our survey, those whose marriages scored in the top 20%. So out of 20,000 women, the top 20% women for marital satisfaction, Dan, were four times more likely to orgasm reliably than women in the bottom 20% of marriages. And she continued, she said, the lack of foreplay is the main reason for the orgasm gap. You're the speaker next week, Dan. Only 39% of orgasm through penetrative intercourse alone. 39% comes from penetration alone. The rest is the other stuff. So, there you go. We laid it all out there for you tonight, guys. So what are we going to do about it? If, if, even if this verse, even this verse is talking about sex and not orgasm, doesn't it make you think, I'm a Christian man, shouldn't I in all things be the best servant in my family, even in the bedroom? So married guys, so I just want you to know these two words and just take these two words with you tonight, and the two words are her first. Her first. So that's, that's your mantra, like that's your mantra. Single guys, here's your mantra. Make her your first. Make her your first. In other words, save yourself until you're married. I'm telling you, you will not regret it. You will not regret it. Married guys, her first. Single guys, make her your first. I shared this story a million times. Okay, I got to be careful because I told my wife I wouldn't talk about this stuff. But I waited three years before... I repented of my old life. I waited three years before I met my wife. And that our honeymoon was the first night I ever made love to her wife in her, I mean, the wedding, I mean, she came in there with a wedding dress. She was glorious. 
But I was, it was like I'd never touched a woman in my life. It was the weirdest thing. It was surreal. God literally, I felt like, imbued upon me second time virginity. I just had no clue what I was doing. And my wife will attest to that. But I've had 32 years to prove her wrong, right? And so I would just encourage you guys, man, that's, it's, it is worth the wait. It is worth the wait. So, Lord, thanks for this time tonight with these guys. And, man, we're dealing with some really awkward topics, but... This is a men's night, and we need to talk about topics that men deal with all the time but don't want to talk about. So God, as we dive into our uh, study tonight, I pray that you would help us to um, learn, grow, be better lovers, and uh, speak where we need to speak tonight, hold our tongue where we need to hold our tongue, and that all the guys here tonight would feel uh, safe. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hey guys, make sure that if you are not a subscriber to this podcast that you do so. Man, uh, help us out with that. And then also uh, shoot our link on over to some of your buddies and get them involved in our show as well. You guys can collaborate on uh, favorite episodes and things that really help you to be a better man. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And be a man. <laughs>